You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Listen, we've got a serious issue going on with our society right now. Most of the conversation around diet and nutrition is centered around weight. Most of the conversation is centered around our weight, when in reality, our diet is supposed to do really two things. A, give your body the nutrition it needs to function at an optimal level. You know, uh, making sure that your uh, brain is functioning properly, which is kind of recruiting about 25% of your caloric intake, your liver, your pancreas, your kidneys, building your blood, all of that cool stuff. That would be kind of important, right? Nutrition should be talked about in that context, of course, but that's not what the, the conversation is centered around. So that's A. And then A2, which is really because both of them are A, A2 would be to give us a sense of joy and pleasure uh, through, through that diet format, you know, through the food that we eat. That matters, you know, because food actually tastes good. It's an evolutionary thing in order to get us to eat the food. But as we've evolved, we've had flavor components in food that will essentially indicate the nutrition that's found in it. You know, this is one of the things we've been talking about more and more on the show. So we get caught up in the diet conversation and we get caught up in the idea that it's connected to weight and weight only. And this is a big issue. And I'm really hoping to make that shift. And if there's a B I can throw in here, I would say that the diet conversation should be centered around eating things that are avoiding eating things that are just not directly going to take us out. Right. And it's really that simple, you know, eating food that's going to really deliver our body the optimal nutrition that we need. A, and then A2 is to be an experience of pleasure. And this is a big difference from the story that's promoted out there. You know, there's a sta- the sayings like, if it tastes good, spit it out, right? That's crazy, crazy talk, right? And also this idea that healthy food can't be flavorful. Healthy food can't be a joy to experience. And it's just not true. And our guest today is somebody who's really stepping to the forefront to help to make all of this make sense. This whole diet and nutrition paradigm shift taking place and reorienting ourselves to not just looking at nutrition and diet as something that's going to help us lose weight, which it can, of course, but making it a bigger picture so that we can be the very best version of us. And that's what it's really all about. Now, before we get to her, listen, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I remember my grandma, the first day she packed my lunch and added in this Capri Sun, right? Do you remember Capri Suns? Because it was like, forget the juice box, right? We're going to put juice in a little bag and we're going to make it so that when you're trying to put the straw in that little baggie, you're going to squirt out 25% more of that juice on you. All right, kids of America. So I had that experience with the Capri Sun. And the thing about the Capri Sun is that the flavor There was something really special about it. It was like a little bit of unicorn milk in there or something. A little bit of like, you remember in in, uh, Cinderella, they had the pumpkin and she turned it into like a carriage or something like that. But it was like a little bit of juice from that pumpkin. It's like a magic pumpkin in there, right? It just tastes amazing, right? And little did I know that these were the things that were kind of setting my template. And my body having these artificial flavors were looking for certain nutrients. It just wasn't getting it, you know? So we're turning that whole paradigm on its head today by getting ourselves Organifi green juice and Organifi red juice. These two things provide real nutrition, but they actually taste good. So 
when patients would come in into my clinic for years, they would come in asking me, you know, should I take a multivitamin? Should I do this? Should I do that? And for the most part, I would really encourage people to avoid multivitamins because of the fact that they're generally from synthetic nutrients and also the, the, the fillers and the stabilizers and all these things that we're finding more and more research indicating that some of those things could be dangerous for us. And so the reason that I love the green juice and the red juice, this is like what we were really looking for when we were kids, you know, to give us that delicious experience of having our little juice, but also providing a tremendous amount of nutrition in the same go, you know, so I'm a huge fan of the green juice. And one of the big components of this is spirulina. We've got research indicating that spirulina can do a process or, or contribute to a process in your body called stem cell genesis, right? Stem cell genesis, creation of stem cells. Capri Sun, I promise, couldn't do that, all right? High C and Tang could not do that, all right? But that's what you get in the green juice. The red juice, my son, Brayden, who's six years old, his birthday is actually, when this comes out, is probably on his birthday. So happy birthday, B. He's a big, he loves the red juice. It's his favorite. We were just sitting around one day. He was like, you know what? I really like the red juice. So red juice contains acai. All right, acai is hot right now. All right, it's hot on the streets. We've got pomegranate. We've got blueberry. We've got strawberry. Superfood, real food concentrates. Low temperature processed to retain the nutrients. So it's not like baking, frying, dyeing these foods and then calling them a multivitamin. This is the real deal. All right, so definitely get yourself, get your family on the green juice. If you haven't tried the red juice yet, highly recommend it. Head over, check them out, Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off, right? 20% off everything, all right? Head over to check them out. Get off the Capri Sun, all right? No more juice in a bag, all right? Let's upgrade, all right? Organifi.com forward slash model for 20% off. Now let's get to the iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled Realist Guy in the Room by Bill Nurse. I've been listening to this podcast for a few years now, and I can say it's one of the best out there. If there was one podcast everyone should listen to, it's this one. Sean is so motivational and inspirational and is so good at what he does because it all comes from his heart. The guests he has on are all the best and the knowledge he passes on is priceless. Keep up the good work, Sean. That's what it's all about. Wow. Thank you so much for leaving that review for me over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough. Just thank you so much. That means the world to me. And everybody, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. It means everything. All right. I appreciate it so very much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Noelle Tarr, and she is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a NSCA certified personal trainer. She's the owner and founder of the health and fitness blog, coconutsandkettlebells.com. Such a cool name and is the co-author of the book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, which I have my hands on right here, a personalized four-week food and fitness plan for long-term health, happiness, and freedom. Noelle is also the voice behind the top-ranked fitness and nutrition podcast, The Well-Fed Woman Podcast, and is the creator of Strong From Home, an online fitness program. She lives in Fairfax, Virginia, with her husband, one-year-old daughter, and two boxer dogs. And I'd like to welcome to the Modern Health Show, Noelle Tar, How are you doing today, Noelle? Good. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, it's totally my pleasure. Very, very happy to have you on. I'm excited to be here. This has been quite the experience already, <laughs> seeing how you guys do your show and operate, you know, being a podcaster. I love kind of interacting with other podcasters and it's it's a cool gig. So definitely, definitely. We're yeah. about that. Excellent. We're about excellent. So with that being said, you know, where your career is right now, I love to hear your superhero origin story. All right. What what got you interested in health and fitness in the first place? Yeah, goodness. It's it's a long story, but I will keep it brief. I actually in high when I was in high school and in college, I really fell in love with the sport of triathlon. And I loved doing triathlons and I loved running and um, it was originally something I did to really uh, start working out, start getting into fitness, doing all the things that I felt like I should be doing, in quotations, should be doing. And um, with that came trying to restrict my calories and trying to eat healthy. And at the time, I'm sure you remember, this was maybe 15 years ago, it was about eating low fat. Yes. And so I, I really did eat pretty low fat. Um, I ate, I was a vegetarian. And so I thought I was checking all the boxes and doing everything correctly. I was doing everything right. And I was pretty invincible. You know, you, you, you are when you're in high school and college. And I continued to up my training and continued to really be hyper restrictive of my food. And at some point, that really stopped working for me. Um, you know, I, I sustained a really severe injury around that I had basically from doing too much training and, and not supporting my body with nutrition. And that was after college. And I had to really check myself. I had to really say, what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing this for? And if I looked back, I could kind of see there was this cycle that was happening, which was I felt guilt or I felt shame or I felt like I needed to be something. I needed to look a specific way. I, need, I really wrapped my worth into what I was eating and how much I was working out and my performance. What were my times? You know, what were my mile times? What was my marathon time? And I was so wrapped up into that. And I, and I believe that we uh, women are, this is a very easy thing for us as well. Like women really, we find our worth in food and fitness often when we kind of get sucked into what I refer to as diet culture. Mm -hmm. And w looking back on that after I got out of college, it was kind of like I, I saw this cycle happening of feeling guilt or not feeling good about myself or feeling like I had been bad. You know, I'd eaten sugar or something. Yeah. And then trying to, quote unquote, remedy that with working out more and restricting my calories more and trying to really stay on the wagon and really trying to, you know, the next health book would come out and I would say, oh, I'm, then that's the answer. So then I would do that. And so it was just this constant cycle of trying all these diets, trying all these new fitness programs. Uh, CrossFit came out and was pretty big in about 2007, 2008. And I started getting more involved with that. And that's where I really had a shift in my journey. It was less about all, how, how little could I eat and how much could I train? And it was more about quality. And so I started following more of a paleo approach. And that, even though it was still something I did as a, the, the next diet yeah. to make sure to try to get me lean and fit and, you know, help all my dreams to come true. It, it in, in essence, it, it taught me and it allowed me to 
not be so focused on the number of calories that I was eating. And so it was, it was more about how many, how much food, like what are the nutrients that I can get in? And so that was really the shift for me. And around that time I decided I want to start helping people because I feel like I I started looking around and I started seeing a lot of women stuck in the same cycle that I was. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had a huge, you know, shift and I was in marketing. I was working for a triathlon company. I was working in the running industry. And so I was like in it Um, and I wanted out. (laughs) So that's when I, you know, started pursuing an education in nutrition. It's when I got my personal training certification and I started being more open and honest about my experience and writing, you know, started my blog, started the podcast. And I think that a lot of women were craving the message of your worth is not in your food and your fitness. You don't have to be chasing a weight that you were in high school. Like let's, let's shift our mentality. Let's shift our mindset to pursuing health and longevity and being there for our family. And, you know, what do we want to be when we're 60 years old? Um, and so that's kind of been a really awesome journey in these past five to seven years is really helping people and seeing that shift happen more so in in the diet and, or the health and fitness realm. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I yeah. just, the reason, you know, we talked about this before the show, but I really appreciate the way that you're going about this. And I think it's so important. It's such an important message right now. And, but the thing is, as you know, a lot of this, even though the the idea that you're sharing is right on the money, it can be easier said than done. We kind of break in this cycle. So let's talk a little bit about some of these things that you've kind of brought to the, for, the forefront. Let's talk about what is the wagon mentality? <laughs> so um, this is one of my biggest pet peeves, especially working with clients. And we have in our culture, we have this idea that there is a wagon and when you were doing all of the right things you're eating all the right foods you're in the gym every day you're on that wagon and you're cruising and it's almost like i've achieved health here i am i'm i'm you know i'm doing the health thing and when a party happens or a you know baby shower or a christmas party or whatever we eat a cookie or we go out to dinner something very normal we go out to dinner and we eat a cookie or we have a dessert all of a sudden we have fallen off the wagon and we are no longer pursuing health. We are no longer healthy. We're no longer at that healthy destination. And so for a lot of women and men, that means just tumbling and not just falling out of the wagon, but just, you know, going off of the side of the hill because, and, and eating, you know, eating your way through a whole jar of cookie dough or, you know, just going nuts and, and staying out of the gym for a few days. And it is really that mentality that makes it so hard to have a have a sustainable health healthful lifestyle. So if you think about it, you know, considering when you're eating healthy things and you're doing healthy things, if you think about it as, well, now I'm on the wagon and I'm, I'm doing the things and I can't get out of the wagon, you're just asking for it. You're asking for, because inevitably you will fall out of the wagon. There will, life happens. Something will come up. And so you are going to eat a cookie. You're going to eat something that's not quote unquote good or part of your health plan. And when that happens, Typically, our response is to feel guilt or shame and to try to remedy that guilt and shame. Guilt and shame is really not fun. You know, it doesn't feel good. We don't want to feel it. And marketers know that. And so a lot of diet programs and um, products, they 
will, they, they, they go straight for it. They make you feel shame or guilt about the way that you look or some, some way that you're eating. And the best way to remedy that is to either jump on another diet plan Mm -hmm. to make the, you know, get, make those rules stricter to work out an extra hour to fast in the morning. And that just really leads to this that just perpetuates the cycle. We're just on the wagon again. You know, right. we're, we're, we're on the wagon. We're, we're trying, we see health as a destination and health is not a destination, right? It's a journey. And so if we see life and health as a journey and something that will ebb and flow and something that needs to be flexible in our lives, it, cause life is flexible. Things happen, you know, our bodies fluctuate. And if we see it as that, when we eat a cookie, we can just revert back to whatever we were doing before and it's not that big of a deal. And that, in essence, is a sustainable plan. That is how health has to happen Um, because I think that the thing that's missing most in, in our society, and this is what you've touched on, is your mental and emotional health is like just as important as your physical health because it directly impacts your physical health. So if you have fallen off the wagon per se and you're, you're, you've eaten a cookie and you feel this shame and this guilt and you're beating yourself up for it, like that's not healthy either. Yeah. And so many cycles of that, then you just feel like a really crappy human being and you're down on yourself and that's that doesn't lead to health either. And so if we can change our mindset around food and see it as neutral, all food is available to you and you can engage with food that's not so healthful and that's okay. That all of a sudden doesn't make you unhealthy, right? Right. You are a healthful human being. Um, You can eat a cookie and then go right back to what you were doing and that's not really going to impact you over the long term. So Wow, that's so powerful. So, so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And listen, if everybody wants to pitch it right now, you you picture yourself riding in the back of a wagon right now on the side. Mm-hmm. You're sitting on the side of the wagon. Maybe you got some other people in there. Uh, maybe picture people the cast from Little House on the Prairie, right? My, Michael Landon's in there with you. Yes. But you're you're in the wagon and somebody passes you a cookie. You eat the cookie like oh well, boom! You jump out the back and you go stumbling, <laughs> falling around like you ate the cookie and then you stay there, right? As she said, you're rolling down the hill until you see another wagon come along. Not even the one you were on. Then you grab on, you get your Jackie Chan on, you grab onto that wagon, sling yourself into this wagon. Same thing. You're chilling in the wagon. You're eating some keto. You're eating some avocado. All good. Somebody passes you a slice of pizza. Well, see you guys later. Boom. You jump out the back of that wagon. You know, that's really how we're living our life. And you just really brought that in such a, um, such an interesting way for us to see this in another light, because that's literally what we do and the, and what we need to do is to get out of this wagon mentality and to know that it's okay. It's okay. That cookie is not, it's not your ejection button from the wagon or whatever, you know? And that's, I think it's so healing to even hear something like that and to get it kind of in our conscious awareness because it's something that's going on in the back, the, the background. And I want to talk about something you mentioned as, as well. And it's so important. I, I think you, you said the word shame and you, this is something that you kind of detail in the book as well, that there's a cycle, right? The shame cycle. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Shame is everywhere. Um, it is really pervasive, as I mentioned before, in marketing of diet programs and 21 day fix yourselves things and, you know, you know, flat bellies in seven days, whatever it is, you know, basically what is being projected to us is that the way you look, a certain feature about your body 
the way you're eating, the way you're doing fitness isn't the way that, it, that you should look or isn't the way that you should be pursuing fitness. And because you're not doing that, you should feel shame about that. There's something wrong with you. You're a bad person. You're not worthy. And when we feel that shame, it it's a terrible feeling. Shame and guilt just doesn't feel good. If we think about how pervasive it has been, especially for women in the postpartum period, about get your body back, about- The snapback, the snapback. Yes. <laughs> yes, and get rid of your cellulite, get rid of your stretch marks. We've been told over and over again that these things are bad or wrong to have, when in essence they are not. Um, but you know, it, you should feel shame about having those stretch marks, or you should feel shame about having five, 10, 15 extra pounds of quote unquote baby weight. And so when we feel really bad about that, when we feel the shame, we desperately want to get rid of it. And so the way to get rid of it is to either, usually it's one of three, three, three things. It's beating ourselves up, you know, so just harsh self-talk. It's um, bringing in the restraints again on our food. So, gosh, I, I, I have cellulite, I look terrible, or I ate that cookie or whatever. I need to just... I'm just going to stop eating all desserts or I'm just going to fast in the morning. Or it's, which I used to do a lot, which is, well, I need to work out extra tomorrow. Yeah. Or instead of running five miles, I'm going to try for seven, 10 or, or seven mm. or 10. And so it's, in essence, the shame cycle is this idea where we have decided that something about us is wrong or we're doing something quote unquote wrong or we are bad. And so we need to we need to restrict something. And, and the example in the book is hamburgers. Um, you know, it's like, OK, well, paleo says I shouldn't be eating hamburgers, so I'm just not going to eat any hamburgers. Hamburgers are bad. You know, they're they're bad. They're morally bad and I'm not going to eat them. And so the more you try to restrict something, the more you push something away that you have decided is bad then you kind of always, you're like, you think about it all the time. It's just always on your mind because you've given it more power. You've, you've essentially given it more, you know, space in your mind because you're trying to restrict it because you've decided that it's bad. And so when eventually you will, as we've talked about this with the wagon mentality, when you eventually do eat a hamburger, it's sort of like you feel shame and guilt because now you're a bad person because you've engaged with hamburgers. And to remedy that shame and guilt, we say, oh, now we're not going to eat hamburgers and fries or, oh, we're going to work out extra. And we do the same thing that got us in the situation in the beginning. And so it's just this constant cycle. And so many women and men go through it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that the really where it starts is giving morality to food where we decide that food is either good or bad and how we engage with it makes us a good or bad person. Mm. So our worth, our morality rests on whether we engage with a good or a bad food and where these labels came from is the real problem. It comes from, you know, these kind of extreme one size fits all diet plans that says, Whatever. All of a sudden, you know, pineapple is bad. Or there was a phase for a while where liquid smoothies are bad. Any sort of liquid food is bad. And I had to like work with clients on that because they're like, I love smoothies, but I know they're bad. And I'm like, hold on, <laughs> yeah. you know, wait a second. <laughs> um, so it was, you know, it's, it's whatever somebody says is bad. And so we have decided that we are a bad person when we engage with that. And so it's really starts with 
saying, look, food doesn't have morality. Your morality is not reliant on whether or not you engage with certain foods or not. That it, your worth is not reliant on that. And we have to see food as neutral. And yes, absolutely. Certain foods are more nourishing than others. There are, there are foods that are going to serve your body better than others, but you're not a bad person yeah. if you engage with non-nourishing foods. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, man. That's there. I mean, there's so many powerful insights there, and I hope everybody, that's something to go back and listen to again. That's uh, incredibly powerful. One of the big things that you mentioned was this idea of if, if there's a food that we project or, or have this reality or paradigm in our mind that it's bad. By the way, when I gave the examples of, of the wagon and somebody passes somebody a pizza, this could be you're on a paleo diet and somebody passes you some beans and rice, right? Mm -hmm. It could mm -hmm. be just something that you consider is a bad food or something that you don't eat. But here's the issue psychologically. If you actually really want that food and you create this construct in your mind where it's bad, it's just going to kind of haunt you, you know? And at some point, you know, if you're just like, pasta is bad, like pasta mm -hmm. is the worst thing ever invented, you're going to find yourself, you're going to be in Italy one day. Like it's going to be a destination <laughs> wedding, right? Everybody's like having pasta and wine and, and you're just going to look at that pasta and you're going to lose it. You're going to, you're going to go neck deep. You're going to go balls to the walls in pasta because you're going to mm -hmm. be like, I, I, humans want to be free. We don't want restrictions. And the word diet itself indicates this ideal of deprivation, restriction, not enough. And it's just not healthy. And it doesn't align with our basic human psyche. And so, so many powerful insights there. That's, that's really powerful. And also the, the concept of those three different things, and especially that last one of trying to outrun the food, right? You're gonna, mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, gonna to run this cake off that I ate yesterday or this pizza or the sweet potatoes, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're not supposed to have sweet potatoes because you're doing a keto diet, like I'm mm -hmm. going to hit those seven today instead of, instead of five. It's, it's virtually impossible to outrun our diet. You know, like you can guzzle down, you know, a thousand calories in like 30 seconds for real. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to take you, you know, two hours trying to work that off. Like two hours of like pretty high intensity exercise. It's never going to match up. And thank you so much for bringing these points up. And I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, these macronutrients because we've kind of touched on, we've, we've mentioned it a little bit. We've talked a little bit about carbs are in there and, and our concept of carbs and our concept of, of fat. And you were on a low fat diet. I was on the low fat, heavy, like low fat cheese. All right. And, and I was doing fat free cream cheese. So yeah. Oh, fat free. I did the fat free too, man. We, we might as well just like, just punch yourself in the mouth. Like just know, grab your tongue and just punch it. your tongue repeatedly. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about macronutrients and mm -hmm. what we really want to do and what you talk about is eating enough of these macronutrients instead of looking at these maximums, but minimums in order to mm -hmm. support our body and our health. Yeah. So it is no secret. What's popular right now is counting your macronutrients, restricting a certain macronutrient for a while. It was restricting fat. Now it's definitely shifted to restricting carbohydrate. Not to say that low carbohydrate diets are not nourishing and not healthy, but you can eat also eat sufficient carbohydrate and that can also be healthy. So in the book, we shift this shift everybody's mentality a little bit and flip the script. We say instead of setting all these limits, which can kind of get in your head, like we talked about before, and really, you know, kind of screw up your mindset around food, what if we give people 
minimums to reach. So instead of ha starting with zero, 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 we start with 50 grams of fat, 100 grams of carbohydrate, and 50 grams of protein. That's your new zero. And so once you get to that, then you get to decide based on what works for you, your genetics, you know, what you've tried and tested before, and we do give insight into that in the book, your health conditions, then you get to decide how much of each macronutrient do I want to eat? What do I want to raise? And what do I want to only raise a little bit? So in other words, you know, maybe I want to eat 100 more grams of carbohydrate and only, you know, 50 more grams of, of fat. And so we really teach people how to get out of that restrictive mentality and then create a plan that is right for you. And I will say the basis, the number one thing, the basis for this is first identifying what it what food quality really means. And I think that that is what that's what the paleo movement has done really well is teaching people about quality and teaching people about what it means to look at really healthy and nourishing fruits and vegetables and meats. And what is a quality carbohydrate? You know, candy, a candy bar is not the same as a sweet potato, right? And so once we teach people that and we really focus on food quality, then we say, you know, let's look at some potentially problematic foods. I think you and I both know that there are some foods out there that can really cause issues for people. Gluten, refined sugars, vegetable oils. You know, we talk about those. Dairy is, is the other one. There's four of them that we really address. And so once we address those and say, look, these can be causing problems, we really want you to test that out and see which one, which if any, are causing problems for you. Then we move forward with, all right, now let's eat in a way that's right for you. You don't have to follow some one size fits all plan that is all about taking all these foods out or restricting your macronutrients, you know, severely. It's about let me eat my to my minimums and experiment, <laughs> like figure yeah. out what works for me and, and understanding that that may fluctuate. You know, some people say, well, what if I what if I do it wrong? You know, or what if I find that a higher fat approach doesn't work for me anymore? Then you get to switch it. You know, I think so many people get stuck on in the mindset of, well, I'm eating low carbohydrate and that's what works for me. And if it stops working for me, then I just need to like do it harder, do, the low, do it harder. I need to, I, I'm, it's my fault. And it's not, you know, like you, your life fluctuates, uh, like stress levels fluctuate for women, our hormones fluctuate. And we may have times in our life where we need to switch to a more higher carbohydrate diet. And that with the understanding that quality does matter, of course, no, it's not, you're not a bad person if you don't eat perfectly quality carbohydrate all the time. But I think you'll find that your body can exist in a very healthful state both at a lower carbohydrate diet and a, and a more carbohydrate, we call it more carbohydrate diet. And, and it really all depends on what works for you and your physio physiology and, and your health conditions. Right. So, and, and even that can change, you know, and just being, yes. having permission to adapt and adjust as things mm -hmm. change, your nutrition needs can literally change tomorrow, you mm -hmm. know, from what you're, as far as your energy intake and also the nutrients your body might need for maybe repairing something with, you know, some neuro tissue or with your meniscus or who knows. Mm. We have to pay attention to that and give ourselves permission to go outside of a typical diet framework. And I think that's why it's so important with your book and providing folks with the, the most important tenets and giving some structure that they can abide by, but then find some flexibility in that right. to really create the nutrition that's right for you today. 
which again, will probably change. Same thing with sleep, you know, like if we're going by this cook, I, I got to get my seven hours each day. And then you start like your old reality training for a triathlon and you're like, you know, 45 and you're just, and you're exhausted now. It's just like, you just needed a couple more hours of sleep. And, but you're going by this framework of like, I always get seven hours of sleep and that's what my body runs on. Not necessarily. We have to be willing to adjust. So Mm -hmm. man, that's so, so good. All right. So one of the things that you mentioned, more carbohydrate diet and, you know, by the way, just as a clinician and, and doing work, I've seen great, great results with folks doing low carb, ketogenic. I've been teaching this stuff for, you know, over a decade, you know, but at the same time, again, having the flexibility to know what's right for that person. And you say in the book, you've even got a little section that says, carbs are, carbs are your friends, you know? So let's talk a little bit about why you say that. And which again, this is, there's a big paradigm of keto. A lot of folks listening right now are doing keto and they're loving it. So mm-hmm. why do you say carbs are your friend? Can be Ooh, your friend. Oh man, they can be your friend. Absolutely. So I think that um, kind of touching on what I said before and, and, and running this to the ground, quality matters, quality matters. And I think a lot of one of the things that we do address in the book is there's a lot of science around, well, look at all this wonderful stuff that a low carbohydrate diet does. But at the same token, there is a lot of science that shows, look at all the stuff that a vegetarian diet, look at all the positive things from a vegetarian diet, look at all the positive things from a low fat diet. And one of the things that is not in all of these studies is a real focus on quality. And I think that when we have that as our baseline, when we have sweet potatoes, potatoes, you know, if we're, I, I love to soak and sprout my rice. When we're talking about like really quality carbohydrates, I think that we'll see that our body responds much different to those than it does a candy bar. This is exactly the same way when we talk about trans fats versus um, healthful saturated fats like coconut oil and butter and stuff like that. There's a completely different story there. And so first and foremost, we're talking about quality. Um, second, I the body does uh, can operate really well on carbohydrate, just like it can work well on ketones. And when we again, focus on quality and we're providing our body with sufficient fat and protein and we're experimenting and again, shifting. Like, I I think that the thing with carbohydrate intake is it could be 350 grams or it could be 200 grams. And that's a huge variation there. And so I think when we allow ourselves to experiment with macronutrient ratios and exactly how much, how many carbohydrates we're eating. I think that we can find that we, there's like a sweet spot for a lot of people. And just as an example for myself in particular, I used to follow a much more higher fat approach. Um, and then I had a kid and then I was breastfeeding and then I was very active and it was like, I was drained. I was not doing really that well. And I started just feeling a lot more comfortable with, all right, I'm just going to up my carbohydrate intake. And I shifted a lot of stuff in, including rice, which I wasn't doing a ton of grain before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do rice. I do a lot of potatoes. And I just recently had a lot of my a lot of blood work done. And my, you know, fasting insulin and fasting glucose, all that is fantastic. Um, And that was real validation to me. And I know you've seen this with clients. And so have I. It's 
understanding that quality matters, that you can definitely have phases in your life where you can shift more carbohydrate in, it really making sure that it matches your your overall uh, and energy expenditure. So how much you were working out or how much you're chasing your kids. <laughs> um, and, and really making sure that you you're assessing how you feel. Um, so one of the reasons that we do say, so we make recommendations that said to show people, Hey, this is how, how to know whether you might want to start eating more carbohydrate. And one of those is sleep issues. Um, another one is amenorrhea, which we have a lot of women struggle with that. And it's really the result of women eating too little and or too low carbohydrate. And so supplying your body with carbohydrate, supplying your body with sufficient calories does allow your body to know that it's safe, that it can produce hormone effectively. It's not going to be in a chronically stressed out state. And we have a lot of women when we say it's okay to eat carbohydrate, just eat more of it and see how your body does. Then they get their period back. Um, And so that's kind of been our experience. Now, again, a lot of our uh, community is women who have been have a, a history similar to mine where they've just kind of tried every diet under the sun and now they're really trying to restrict a lot of stuff and so lifting those barriers and saying carbohydrate is okay it can be a healthful part of your diet allows their body to finally function appropriately again so, absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. You know I want to talk a little bit about because it is a part of the conversation for sure with diet and nutrition the whole concept of weight loss and weight gain. I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Just today when I was getting ready to head out and come to the studio, I uh, I, I went into my cabinet because I, I use coconut oil for everything. It's like there's some <laughs> memes about it. Like I've got 99 yeah. problems and coconut oil cured 98 of them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah. And so for for cooking and for, you know, as uh, for, for your skin and all that good stuff. And I did a show, by the way, I'll put that in the show notes. All right, with 20 different ways to use coconut oil healthfully. And of course, I provided some really crazy research on it as well. But th- I have this huge mega tub of virgin organic coconut oil that I got from Thrive Market. And if I was to buy that same humongous container of coconut oil that lasts us so long for all the uses we use for it, I would have paid probably $20 more if I was to get it from a place which I love, like Whole Foods. And so Thrive Market is a big part of our lives. We save 25 to 50% off of the retail prices that you would find in great stores like Whole Foods, mom and pop nutrition stores. But why not save some money? Like we got stuff to do, you know? Maybe you've had your eye on that Gucci bag. I don't know what it is. You can funnel some of that money over or if it's just like paying for school supplies or whatever, like that's one of the big barriers to, of entry for people with eating healthfully a lot of times, like, oh, it's more expensive, you know? So, but you use Thrive Market as well, right? I do. I actually buy my, everything from diapers on Thrive Market, my diaper cream, all my, ba- like everything that I use for my daughter, I get on Thrive Market. <laughs> and then my whole pantry is stocked with, you know, simple meals and Siete chips. And I mean, yeah, I, I'm pretty much doing an order every week now. That is incredible. And then I love yeah. how they show you your savings, right? Oh, it's, yeah, it's great. It's bananas, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, like thousands. literally when I first started and we were the first podcast to actually feature Thrive Market because when I found out about it, I was like, listen, guys, this is, I, I want my people to know about this yeah. because I really couldn't believe it. I was like, how did you make this work? You know, and they're going right to the the companies and they're curating the very best companies 
and putting this all together. So whatever you're subscribed to right now, whether it's gluten-free, paleo, keto, vegetarian, they've categorized these things for easy shopping. And we get stuff for our kids. As she mentioned, we mm-hmm. personal care products, household cleaning items, laundry detergent, all this stuff. And we save without all the toxins and you know, if we're looking for, you know, organic and all this good stuff, fair trade, whatever it is that makes you feel good about your purchase, you can find at Thrive Market. So head over, check them out right now. It's thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. That's thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. And not only do you get 25 to 50% off already, you get an additional 25% off your first purchase and free shipping, which that could be the deal breaker sometimes, you know, like I've, I've bought like, $200 $200 worth of stuff. Maybe it was like finishline.com, maybe buying my kids some shoes or something. And there's like $20 for shipping. No, I'll just go to the store, right? So you get free shipping and you also get a free 30-day membership and you're going to want to keep that membership because it's just going to keep, as she mentioned, when you're buying stuff all the time and, and saving money, it's just going to keep giving more and more back to you. So head over, check them out, thrivemarket.com forward slash model health together as one word. So now I want to talk about this phenomenon, which I saw this in my clinic, I know you've seen this. We'll say somebody comes in and they've been like, they've been doing everything quote right, right? They've been working out six times a week. They're doing a dramatically calorie restricted diet. Maybe their goal, you know, and they've achieved their goal to a substantial degree. Maybe, you know, they were 160 pounds. Now they're 120 pounds or they were. All right, they're made it to 120 pounds and they continue that same thing, doing that six out, uh, six workouts a week, calorie restricted, eating maybe 1200 calories a day. And now they're starting to gain weight, right? They've put on 10, maybe 15 pounds over the last six months and they can't seem to find out what's wrong. They're working out harder. They're being even more meticulous about their diet. You would encourage your clients to eat more. You would encourage them to maybe bump it up to 2000 a day. And what would happen a lot of times is people would end up losing weight. So can mm-hmm. you talk about how that's even possible? <laughs> this is my story. Plus, this is probably the story of so many of my clients. And I'm sure you've seen this. This is just so popular. And it's because, well, for many reasons. So um, I think that what... First and foremost, the problem is there's an underlying problem here, which is women and men think that they need to exist in a certain size because that was the size they were in high school or, you know, the, their, their first year in college. And so they get so focused on this weight, this number. And so the number, that weight becomes the end all be all instead of saying, well, I'm just going to pursue health. And yes, I, I'm hoping that weight loss is going to be a byproduct of that, which it usually is if, you know, you are, you haven't been following a healthy lifestyle and then you, sh- you shift into that. Um, they get really focused on a number and they let the scale define their success. And so sometimes with clients, I found that they do really unhealthy things. They end up eating way too little or they end up working out through really stressful times or injuries. And so, yes, they get down to that number. They get down to that weight, but it's actually not a weight that their body, that's a healthy set point for their body. And even though they used to be that when they were 18, which is when you were a child, you know, um, and you're invincible, 
your body's been through a lot. You're an adult now. And so that, you know, 120 pounds, 115 pounds, which is a number we get so focused on, doesn't really mean anything other than it's a it's a number that you've gotten fixated on. And so it a lot of people sacrifice their health to get to a specific weight. And that was me. That's a lot of women. They end up eating too little, working out way too much. They finally get to that number, but they can't maintain it because their body is under chronic stress. They are eating too little. They're working out too much. And the body is responding appropriately. Our body is magnificent. It wants to keep us alive. And so in order to do that, our metabolism is downregulated. Our thyroid starts to not operate appropriately. And chronic cortisol is really, I'm thinking of a bad word, but it's its really mean. It's not good to our body. And so when we experience chronic cortisol, it really disrupts our entire endocrine system. And when we're talking about the female body, the female body really does like to have some extra fat on it. It yeah. likes to have stores. It likes to have energy because we're producing other humans. And that's kind of a big deal. Right. So, you know, that's and the female body will quickly shift into supporting the stress response and remove all of the things from supporting any sort of hormonal proper hormonal function and so when you know people finally get to their goal weight and they're there and they're they try to keep everything going and they're trying to keep you know running on that hamster wheel essentially what they're doing is just keeping their body in a chronically stressed out state typically there's some mental and emotional stressors there as well and that has that plays into everything and so under eating, you just can't, you can't underestimate the effects of under eating on your body. And oftentimes, when you start eating more, your metabolism starts to ramp up again, your thyroid starts to operate optimally, it starts to function appropriately. And your body starts to understand, oh, I'm, I'm not star I'm not running away from a tiger. I'm not about to die. There's not a famine. And so then your body can operate and function appropriately. And therefore, your physiology starts to come back into balance. Things start to work correctly again. And not only, let's not even talk about weight, you start to feel better. You know, you don't have fatigue. You have, you can, you can sleep better, you know, all those things. And so I think that the two things here is sometimes one, you know, at some point, it, it really is about thinking that we need to exist at a specific weight to be healthy and health can be achieved at a variety of weights and oftentimes 100% of the time when we achieve when we pursue health our weight is going our body's going to come back into balance and our weight is going to exist exactly where it needs to exist to be healthy so I love that so I know some people are probably thinking but don't I need a calorie deficit in order to lose weight yeah there's some aspects of right. that but this is this is very I, I think it's kind of archaic science and just thinking that the calorie deficit results in weight loss. That's the, what about the whole other part of the equation where your metabolic rate can actually increase, your body can actually start burning more calories when you are at a better state of health, for example. Maybe mm -hmm. you have more muscle on your frame and your body's able to maintain that muscle because it's getting properly nourished. And now you're actually burning more calories. You're eating more calories, but you're burning more calories. These are basic things that, in, in, you know, in my nutrition class in college, like, I wasn't taught that. I was just taught 
eat more, eat less calories, exercise more, basically, if mm-hmm. somebody wants to lose weight. That's definitely not the, that's not the end of the equation because you can't take hormones out of the equation because mm-hmm. in regards to weight loss and fat loss, it's really about what your hormones are doing. So we need to have more of a hormone focus, which is what you talk about in the book, than we do on this kind of obsession with calories, right? Yeah. I, I always, and this isn't the sexiest of topics, but it's like, what are you doing to manage your stress? You know, that's what my first convert, like my first point with most people is let's talk about the stress in your life, not just from whatever, you know, your family and the stuff you're managing at home, but what's your mental and emotional state like? And what, how are you eating in a way that could potentially, and, and doing the fitness thing in the way that may be teaching your body that it's under stress and it may just be adding more fuel to the flame. And that's really hard for people. People don't want to manage their stress. They don't want to sleep more. They don't want to be, and then that's, they want the easy thing, the easy equation to me. And this may sound a little, eh, but like, I think that's the easy way out just to say, oh, it's all about calories in calories out. And honestly, that's what a lot of health experts say, you know, because it's easy. It's a, it's a, it's a clear science thing. And the true, the reality of it is it doesn't work for many people or it doesn't work for very long. You know, so. I, I believe that. And I think that's for certain people at certain times. I also mm-hmm. believe that a lot of folks want to work harder. They feel that they can't get the result. They can't have the body they want if they're not working harder. And so having the concept that, for example, sleep influences your body composition, they're like, well, I'm not really doing anything. Like I should hit mm-hmm. the gym more or, you know, cut away an hour of sleep. Let me get to the gym or, you know, focus more on the diet so I can really try hard so I can get this result. You know, it's really kind of ingrained into our mind that this has to be hard. And so some people buy into that. Like, I just want to work harder and you can work yourself right into, right. You can work yourself right out of shape, you know, if that makes sense. And so we're kind of getting people to pay more attention to not just working out, but working in and -hmm. also shifting our, our relationship in how we're viewing our food and not just coming in like, okay, I got to create this calorie deficit and that's going to be the end all be all. We have to have some intelligence. We have to cultivate an intelligence within our body to listen to our body and and listen to that innate feedback on what you really need. And so this is a good segue to talk about your new book. I will, first of all, I would love for you to share your new book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, right? I would love for you to share what this book means to you personally and why you decided to put this particular book out right now. Yeah. Um, so when I started the blog and doing all the things about five years ago, it really, I was trying to write nutrition stuff and doing recipes. And while that's all fun, and there's plenty of people also doing that, what really was seemed to be resonating with people was this discussion around mindset and understanding that, you know, you don't like, you don't have to be pursuing a six pack ab like six pack abs to be um, worthy and to be fit and healthy and to enjoy your life. And, um, I wanted to do more of that. So I started a podcast with my, uh, co-host who also co-authored the book. Her name's Stephanie Ruper. And we both have a very similar mentality around health and really desiring to help women. And so we started the podcast and as we did more and more episodes and the questions started pouring in, we realized that, 
the podcast is great and we, we love helping people, but we wanted to do something in a greater capacity. We wanted to help women and give something that they could have in their hands that they could give to their friend and say, mm-hmm. I think that you'll really love this. I think that this will really help. And so, as you know, it's, it's hard writing a book because you want to put everything in there and you're also working with other people who are usually helping you or publishing the book and you know weight loss sells and so does one size fits all plans and easy calories in calories out that that sells and we we knew we were kind of trying to do something different and telling women they didn't have to lose weight you know they didn't need to be focused on weight loss they could they could pursue health and do so in a way that works for them and we just felt like since it was resonating so much with people on the podcast that we really wanted to just push for that. And so I'm really happy with how it turned out. To me, it's, I mean, it really feels like five years of my work in in a book because it's not just, oh, we'll do what works for you. We came up with some really concrete information and like you said, a framework for people to go off of. But we also were really specific in, in a lot of the whole the whole mindset chapter. We talk about the wagon. We talk about morality. We talk about the fact that you don't have to be so focused on weight loss. That's not where your worth lies is in the size of your pants. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not a thing. That's what diet culture wants us to, to pursue. But you don't ha- you don't have to do that. Um, and so really trying to get women to, to see health differently and try to save them before they get caught up in the way that I did in the years that I feel I sort of spent so much time and effort pursuing leanness and pursuing six pack abs and being so focused on that. I really feel it's, it's interesting to look back. I I'm like, I could have been doing a lot more good. You know, I could have been doing a lot of other things in my life and I was just so focused on this. And so my whole goal is to just get save women before they get into that spiral and really teach them how to create a sustainable plan so that they can do really cool things in their life. They can focus on what all the things that their body does, not the way that it is shaped or the exact weight that it is. Um, Cause I, I think that's the end goal, so. Awesome, awesome. So can you give everybody just a quick overview of what they can expect in the book? It says here, you got, Personalized four-week food and fitness plan for long-term health, happiness, and freedom. So can you just take us through? You got this section. You got that section. There's recipes. Lots of sections. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. And that was the goal, was like one-stop shop. Um, You know, a lot of what I've said here is is what is kind of the process for the book. So we start with talking about food quality, quality. We start with talking about macronutrient ratios and setting those minimums, teaching people how to set those minimums. And we teach people about potentially problematic foods. And I have a whole program called the 4x4, which just is a basic approach for removing those foods and then introducing introducing them back into your diet in a very intentional way. And once you kind of have that all figured out, I have uh, I've written up some meal plans. One is for butter lovers, so people who like and enjoy eating more fat, but also do and feel better eating a higher fat diet. And then one for bread lovers, which is 
just a cute name to say more carbohydrates. And so we have two different meal plans. I have 75 simple and easy recipes. It's stuff that is very easy for families to whip up and make. And um, then my favorite part is the fitness chapter. I really do. I have a passion and a love for kettlebells. I have a passion and a love for home workouts and making fitness accessible. And so along with the plan, there is a whole section on fitness and how to approach fitness, how to think about fitness instead of thinking about it as I need to be doing this. I, I need to be working out this many days a week and it must be high intensity stuff. And I have to be where if it's not an hour, then it's not worth it because that's not true. Um, you know, I, I get people thinking about fitness differently and then provide a plan for beginners, intermediate and advanced um, athletes and teach them, you know, write up a whole program. I have tons of workouts and just some like step-by-step -step guidelines for how to perform the movements because that's really important to me too. So it's, it's, it's got it all. <laughs> yeah, it does. And yeah. By the way, so the structure is really, really well done. And also the recipes are crazy. Can you talk a little bit about, yeah. so what, what are like, what are three of your favorite recipes in the book? Oh, um, I know it's hard, but. It is hard. The first is my very favorite recipe is it's called Thai coconut Thai coconut curry shrimp and it's a curry made with coconut milk and it is so easy yeah. but it's beautiful and it's so like nutrient dense and nourishing and I I still make that all the time um the other favorite one of mine that a lot of people have loved are these it's called almond shortbread cookies and it's actually just made with almond meal and um, like a, either you can do a ghee, but if you don't do well with ghee, you can do coconut oil. So it's really just almond meal and it will almond flour and and ghee. And it, they cook up really quick. Everybody's been loving those. And then I tried to make you have kids and I have kids and I know mm -hmm. how important it is, how how nut allergies have become a really big deal. So I yeah. did work really hard to try to diversify a lot of the recipes. And I had to cook this uh, pumpkin muffin breakfast recipe probably like 12 times because it's made with no nut flour, no nuts at all, and only coconut flour. And coconut flour can be really difficult These to These pumpkin with. muffins here yeah. that I've yeah. had the book on this page like the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my other fave, yeah. mostly because so much time went into that, but it is completely nut free. So yeah. The pumpkin, that was because of the beginning of this episode. And I talked about a carriage, a pumpkin carriage from Cinderella <laughs> right there that I, like I picked you up. In yep. the field. There you go. All right. So, and you've got the, you got the ratatouille in here, slow yeah. cooker, bison chili. No, here's the thing. And what's so great about what you do and so many other folks that are kind of really on the leading edge of this nutrition movement is we're upgrading things. We're, we're doing, we're still getting these same in, uh, flavors and enjoyment in certain foods and the experience. We're just upgrading the ingredients. Like you said, there's a cookie recipe. We're mm -hmm. using almond flour. So we're going to not get that big glycemic hit necessarily. And they can right. still taste delicious. You've got watermelon lime gummies in here. And the gummies, you got a little mold. So they look like little Lego men. <laughs> My son is going to love this. Yeah. You yeah. see, like, and that's And it's gelatin, so cool. yeah. And it's same thing. You got, you got the pancakes in there. You've got, uh, as you mentioned, you got the pumpkin muffins. So mm. many great things. And the pictures are beautiful. And the recipes are pretty simple. You know, some recipe books just yeah. like they go ham with the with the ingredients and the process. I think you guys did a really, really great job. So thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, uh, this has just been uh, just powerful, you know, 
insight after insight. And I think this is going to help a lot of folks. And I would love if you can let people know, number one, where can they get your book? And also where can they connect with you online? All right. So hopefully the book is everywhere that books are sold. Most local book retailers have them, Barnes and Noble. You can definitely get it on Amazon, which tends to be people's thing nowadays. If if Thrive Market sold books, I would tell you to go there and I would probably buy all my books from there. But right now it's Amazon. Um, And I can be found at coconutsandcattleballs.com. Everything is there. And then the podcast is the Well-Fed Women podcast. So Perfect. Perfect. All right. Final question. What is the model that you're here to set with the way that you live your life personally? What's the model that you are setting for other people with how you live your life? (sighs) The model. I think that the model that I set is probably just doing what works for me. I know that's really simple, but I everything that I have done in the past few years has been about remaining flexible, remaining judgment free um, and continuing to shift and do things that work for me. And if that means not being so focused on the last five pounds of baby weight and really focusing on feeling really well and making sure that I have energy to be a mom and run a business, then that's what I do and I own it. Um, and so I live exactly what I preach. That's, that's what I try to do. And I try to remain flexible and, and judgment-free with myself and judgment-free with the, the people that I work with. And that's, that's kind of what I want our industry to turn into is just let's recognize that people can pursue health in a way that you're not pursuing and still be healthy. And it's still okay. Awesome. So, it definitely yeah. is. So, so good. Noel, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it immensely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. So many big takeaways. I really enjoyed this conversation myself. And uh, one of the big things that she said that's still sticking with me is that health is not a destination, right? This is one of the things that we tend to think. And the same thing with just success in life, period, or relationships. Like, once I get this, I've made it. I've arrived. And life just simply does not work like that. You know, health is not a destination, it's a process. And in that process is really where the joy is found. You know, once you get there, I promise you, there are so many people, I'm talking so many people, they hit that goal weight. They they finally get that four pack or six pack or whatever it is. And they find out that that doesn't make them any more happy or that doesn't make them any better of a person. That doesn't necessarily make them more valuable. It's not about that. It's the process of becoming more you. That's where the joy is really found, you know? So ultimately, if we can start to fall in love with the process of of becoming, because, you know, there's always another level. And, but we wanna do this with, with ease and with grace and with intelligence. One of the greatest faculties we have as humans is being able to use our prefrontal cortex and make decisions, right? To be more intelligent in our approach and plan things and not put ourselves, we have this concept of like, you know, working hard is going to get us to, to the to the destination. You know, hard work is what it takes. For sure, if you're going to achieve anything that's truly exceptional in the framework of humanity, there's going to be some hard work involved. But it's not going to be all hard work. And you can run yourself right into problems, you know, if you're not using your greater faculties. You know, so let's plan things out. Let's get a plan. 
That's what she put together, Noel and her co-author, Stephanie, here in this book, Coconuts and Kettlebells. Beautiful book. So get a plan, execute the plan, but enjoy the process and give yourself permission to listen to your inner intelligence. You know, if something's not working, give yourself permission to stop, to pivot, to try something else, because it's the process that's really going to give us the greatest rewards. I appreciate you so much. If you got a lot of value out of this, make sure to share this out with your friends and family on social media. You could tag me. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And listen, sharing is caring, you know? So if there's something here that really sparked and hit your heart today, that can do the same for somebody else that you care about. All right, so make sure to share the show, connect with Stephanie and Noel, and pick up this book. I think you're gonna love it. And I'm going to make sure, that we're gonna have something from this tonight, all right? So don't meet me there, beat me there, all right? Get yourself a copy coconuts and kettlebells and stay tuned we've got some incredible guests and show topics coming up that's gonna blow your mind all right so be ready take care have an amazing day and i'll talk with you soon and for more after the show make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com that's where you can find all of the show notes you can find transcriptions videos for each episode and if you got a comment you can leave me a comment there as well and please make sure to head over to itunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome and i appreciate that so much And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.